Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Hey, Reg, you all set? <clears throat> yeah, my voice is okay. I don't. I'm not sick or anything, but I, I was using it um, a little um, aggressively yesterday, which I will get into. But it's fine. I think it's fine. Sounds good, right? Good. Yeah. Just keep those levels where they're at, and we'll be okay. We'll be fine. <laughs> you can give me a little boost every so often if I need it, but I think I'm okay. I'm not like I was about a year or so ago when uh, my voice was really uh, very hoarse. <laughs> okay, we ready? Good. Let's do this thing. Episode 355, and we're all set. I'll give you the three S's. I'll give you the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. Here we go. Sounds like a good deal, right? All right. Okay, here we go. Star, smile, strong. All right, three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pod Tastic. Wait, start, start, sorry. Now we missed that. I know we're trying to time that. Okay. No one hears this, so don't worry about it. Good thing none of this is, is recorded. This is just between you and me. No one hears this, so we'll do it again. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Pod Tastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Where else would we be? Don't forget, just listening to this podcast is not enough. By listening, you are also obligated to get out there and tell the rest of the world about this podcast. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. That loyalty, that devotion, oh, I can't tell you the chills it sends down my spine. Also, if you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com. Hit the podcast prompt. Then hit the prompt for this podcast. You see it listed there. And just keep scrolling down. You will see podcast after podcast after podcast. It's, it's, it's a biblical flood of podcasts for you to enjoy that we've done in the past. I always say listen to the past. So you can get a good idea of what we're going to be talking about in the present. And that actually comes to play as we begin this episode, number 355. Uh, a couple of, uh, of, of, of things here. Um, when we begin, some, uh, some housekeeping little items. In fact, to some extent, this whole podcast Today will be one big housekeeping item in terms of building upon something that uh, I've already talked about in the past, but I just want to get this one thing out of the way because I promised you um, an update on on my future behavior, if you will, of a podcast uh, a few episodes ago talking about Bruce Springsteen and uh, my longtime devotion to him and how I was, I've been a little disappointed in some of his offstage issues that he's had over the last couple of years. And I was saying how I really wasn't sure after having not missed a Bruce Springsteen tour since 1980, 1980, right? That's 43 years, folks. Having not missed a, a, a tour since then, that I still, weeks before an upcoming show in my area, for whatever reason, Bruce um, decided to skip Chicago on his opening arena leg of this world tour, 
even though he's playing other major cities like New York and New Jersey and Boston and Philadelphia and L.A. I don't know why, for some reason, Chicago was not on that list. He's playing other. He's playing Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> um, and nothing against you, Columbus, but I'm just saying Chicago is the third largest city in the world, and it is home for some very rabid Bruce Springsteen fans and very loyal Bruce Springsteen fans. So it was kind of strange that he skipped Chicago. He is, yes, I understand he's coming to Wrigley Field in August for two shows. I understand that, but he's also playing all those other cities again in the summer. So I I don't know if it was a scheduling problem with getting the United Center with the Blackhawks and the Bulls. I don't know, but anyway... Uh, that then forced the option for of for me to not being able to see him in Chicago to seeing him in nearby Milwaukee, which is only about maybe 80 or 85, 90 miles away. So it's not a bad drive, hour and a half maybe. Um, but I still, these these some of these offstage uh, issues over the last couple of years um, has kind of dampened. I, I was wondering if it would dampen my enthusiasm for this almost lifelong fandom I've had of Bruce Springsteen. And I, at the time when I recorded the podcast a few weeks ago, I still did not have tickets, which was very rare for me that close to a show when the tickets, considering the tickets went on sale six months before, I still was not sure whether I was going to go. And, um, I just wanted to give you an update. I went, (laughs) Of course I went, right? When I when I sign off this podcast, I say, I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. Well, that's a line from Rosalita. So, yeah, uh, I haven't missed a tour and still haven't. So my record is still there. I, I, I now, once again, though, I, I don't have tickets for Wrigley Field. So... I'm still debating that one, but I just I I'm I, if 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 I was I went to Milwaukee, I drove up I ninety four, you know the eighty some miles as I said, to seek an answer was was this, you know were these off stage uh, issues with him that I was having this dynamic pricing elevating his ticket prices and and um, not coming clean about his DUI. Uh, a lot of things in the last couple of years, sadly. Um, but uh, if I went there seeking an answer to say, was I still able to be you know, enthralled? Was I still able to uh, to have my heart race and my soul stirred when uh, when I see him perform? I mean that's you know his his albums are good but you become a believer uh when you see Bruce live and so I went up to Milwaukee looking for an answer uh to those questions would I still be moved in such a profound way personally um by Bruce seeing him perform after these offstage incidents seem to dampen a lot of my respect in many ways and enthusiasm for him. But the answer is yes, a resounding yes. Um, I did go. I had an amazing time. If my voice is a little rough, I went yesterday, in fact, um, and I was singing along, screaming along, playing air guitar, playing air saxophone, you name it. I was I was doing what I usually do at a Bruce Springsteen concert, you know, 43 years later, still uh, that same passion and enthusiasm that he elicits uh, came shining through. So the answer is yes. And I'm happy for that answer. I had a great time. And uh, look, uh, Bruce Springsteen's had a mythology around him f- from the beginning of his career. Uh, I never bought into the mythology completely, but I was still a believer because those live shows were transcendent in many ways, especially as a young kid. Uh, and they've continued to be that as I've grown into an adult and, and, you know, four decades later. Um, but, uh, I, I wasn't sure, but I am definitely sure. And it was, and I'm glad for it. Uh, he may have disappointed me somewhat 
with some of his actions and decisions and judgments offstage, which I still may not reconcile, but on stage, few entertainers can command a stage and command a crowd like he can. And he proves it all night, every night, and he did it once again. This was probably my 63rd, I think, Bruce Springsteen concert. And there I was, sweating up a storm, singing along, doing everything I always do. So that's a little update on that. Yes, I did go. And yes, uh, I'm still a Bruce Springsteen fan. (laughs) I think it's possible and I think it's important, especially today with with so much access to information and and so much sharing. we have to, we have to realize that all of every artist every artist may have this um, this 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 unique talent that that moves us in in ways that no one else's art does and that's their special gift but we also must realize that they are human and they are flawed in, in fact in many ways sometimes more flawed than than others than the average person but that maybe is what also contributes to this special creative force that they have. So I do think it's important, especially in today's world where, where there's all this information about people's you know, backgrounds and what's going on and in their lives every day, uh, a lot of our heroes might not seem as heroic as they used to. A lot of the, 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 the downside of, of our heroes were, were hidden to some extent from the public, but that's not as easy to do anymore today. So I think it's important that if you do like an artist, it's important that you can still like an artist even if they disappoint you personally. You can separate the art from the artist. I think you can. The reason why I had such a dilemma and a crisis of faith, if you will, with Bruce is because for so many years, Bruce built his his image on him being the music, being the art. There was no separation. That was the way he nurtured his image and those around him did and the media did. So that's what for me was was so difficult because in this case, it was hard to separate both because for the last 40 years, the impression was this was the real deal. He was the genuine, the genuine article. But I'm happy to say I went to the concert and had a great time. So good to hear about that. Now, uh, on the last podcast, uh, I was talking about my recent trip to the Middle East and giving sort of a little background, a little precursor to how this whole trip uh, came about and how it really was something that has been a almost a lifelong dream to to go to Egypt especially and see uh the great pyramids and so when we finally finally uh planned this this trip and it's a trip that I've wanted to do as I said for <laughs> as long as I can remember I've always been fascinated with with the pyramids and just wanted to see them and so I gave a little background on that. So if, you, if you're if you just listening to this and you didn't listen to the, the previous podcast, number 354, go back and listen to that one. And then this one will pick up from there and go on and talk about some specifics about the trip that made it so interesting. And, 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 and as you know, on any vacation that you go on, uh, there are there are things that happen that you could never expect and never plan for. And while you a lot of times go uh, on a vacation for a specific reason, whether it's to see different sites, like I wanted to see the Great Pyramids or or, or go to a, a different climate or whatever you want to do, whatever your motivating force and reason for going on a trip might be, the funny thing is that while you may fulfill that, that vision or that dream that you had of seeing this site or experiencing something, you get that thrill and you get that satisfaction of, of, of finally of, of doing it or seeing it. But then there's also things that you can never plan for 
that happen as a part of the trip, either with yourself or other people, uh, or you're just interacting with other people, incidents that happen, events that happen that can never be planned, can never be foretold. And many times those become the more definitive memories you have of that trip than your original goal to seeing them. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but my gosh, it's in some of the, the stories I wanted to tell you about this, this 16-day trip to the Middle East, to Israel and to Egypt, was, you know, are some of these, yes, some of the sites we saw, but some of the behind-the-scenes stories that happen, these occurrences that happen while we're on the trip that are human interactions, human events that always seem to stick with you longer. Sometimes, and, and hopefully, they're more funny and enjoyable than they are tragic. Uh, and that's happened too, right? But um, but thankfully, all of my memories from this trip uh, are very memorable and and funny, and uh, and do come kind of close to rivaling seeing some of the awe-inspiring sights that Israel and Egypt have to offer. So, as I said to you uh, in the last podcast, we initially planned for a trip to go on a cruise of the Nile and and, and visit Cairo, mainly, initially, to see those pyramids and all the other treasures of ancient Egypt. And due to COVID, we were able to actually expand the trip and add a four-day stay before the Egyptian trip into Israel, which is another country I've always been interested in seeing, especially the Holy Land and those sites. So our trip started in Israel. And right from the get-go, um, things... <laughs> I was I was wondering where, you know, how we were... what You know, you always, you know, we, you come up with these things. Oh you know oh the things are starting this way and it's going to wind up being that way the whole time right i remember this this winter for instance we had snow in the chicago area very early i believe it was in november we had some snow and it wasn't major snow but it it stuck and right away you were hearing people go oh my gosh if we're getting snow in november could you only imagine what kind of winter we're going to have this year? Oh, I mean, we're going to get deluged with snow if we're already getting it in November. What's going to happen in January and December and January and February? Oh, this winter was so mild in Chicago. It was. It's one of the mildest winters we've had. We had under 20 inches of snow the whole winter. Many times we get 20 inches of snow over a couple of days. We get bombarded with 12 inches one day and 8 or 9 inches the next day. We get 20 inches of snow in a couple of days sometimes. We got under 20 inches this whole winter. So that first snow in November played no role, was no precursor, was no, was no uh, expectation you know, uh, of what's going to come over, we're going to get deluged with snow. In fact, we had the, one of the mildest winters we've ever had, even, even temperature-wise. So if something starts off bad, it's our inclination many times to say, oh my gosh, we're getting off the wrong foot, oh, it's, it's only the beginning. That's not what what has to happen. A lot of times you can make that happen. And it would have been easy for me to fall into that kind of depressing mode because here we were, as I said, this 
winter, extremely mild. We went to the Middle East. Uh, we left uh, Chicago on January 22nd. And we went specifically around this time because it's still winter in Egypt. And so it wouldn't be oppressively hot as it would get, obviously, in the winter. You're in a desert. Uh, or, I mean, in the summer because you're in a desert. Uh, or even in early April, it starts to get warm. In fact, while we were there, I was talking to our tour guide, and he said that le- that two years ago in April, it was 118 degrees. So we decided to go at least when the chances, I mean, we can never predict weather, right? But we tried to go at least when, when the odds are that things would be nice and warm, understandably, but not oppressively warm. And we were looking at the uh, at the forecast, and it looked like, wow, we were going to be getting great weather. For me, I'm not a big hot, hot weather guy. So the weather in both Israel and in Egypt, well, you know, we had seen a 10-day, you know, forecast and things like that. You know, mid to low, mid to upper 60s, lower 70s. That's, oh, that's my sweet spot. I love that. So we were very encouraged from a weather standpoint. We knew these countries were going to have amazing sights and experiences to see. But, you know, the weather, especially when you're going to be out touring all the time, we're going to be on a ship, you know, a boat, cruising the Nile. You know, weather certainly plays an important part when you're on vacation. Whatever you're going to do, whether you're sightseeing or whether you're sitting around a beach, you know, you, you always want good weather. So it looked at least on paper on our way there that we were going to have some really good weather. So we wouldn't have it wouldn't even be a factor when we're going out on tours and things like that during the day. But what we didn't count and and. As I said, uh, the Chicago winter up to that point, in, in mid, we had no accumulative snow in December at all, despite this snow we had in November. We had no accumulative snow in December at all. It got cold for a, a couple of weeks, but no snow, no accumulative snow at all. And then in January... Traditionally, a very big, heavy snow month. January and February are really the big snow months here. We will get some snow in December sometimes, but usually by January or February, that's when the real snow happens. And as I said before, we've been known to get snow in December. You know, it's not in heavy snow, but you can always count on getting snow in January and in February. None. None. Right, so not only were, were, were things looking up and, and, and very optimistic for the weather that was going to be in Israel and in Egypt before our trip, but you know you always have to worry about when you're leaving home too, right? We were going to fly from you know to get to you know to the Middle East. It's not a it's not an easy hike. We were flying from Chicago to Vienna, Austria. And then Austria to Tel Aviv. Uh, all told, about 11, 12 hours, 13 hours in the air, not, not counting, uh, you know, layovers and things like that. So you certainly don't want to start your trip at home delayed because then that's when all the craziness starts. Once you're delayed at one end, you get delayed at the other, you miss a flight and your bags and the whole, and here we go. So about, you know, a, you know, a day, couple of days before, very optimistic. Hey, great, we're getting mild weather here, so we'll get out of Chicago easy. The weather there is going to be great. This is fantastic. Wake up. Wake up on the day we're to leave Chicago. Snow on the ground. 30 degrees. Snow on the ground. Snowing, mixed with a slushy kind of wintry mix, if you will. Flight's supposed to take off at 10. Oh, 
before we get to the airport, our flight's already delayed an hour or two. Before we even got to the airport, they already delayed the flight. Now, we had a two-hour layover in Vienna, which is fine, right? Gives you enough time to, you know, land and blah, blah, blah. Well, now that was going to impact our connection flight. So much so that the, the, the woman at the counter basically said, there is no way you will make your connection. And I'm like, well, we we might get there we might have 20 minutes or so, or, you know, we might have a half hour or 45 minutes. If, if this one, if this delay at least takes on time at the, at the time now for the delay, no, you will not make it. She said, when you get there, talk to someone at the gate and they'll rebook you. I mean, she's already telling us you haven't even left Chicago and you're already in for some travel nightmares. And I'm like, It has not snowed here in a month and a half. Planes are flying in and out of O'Hare with no travel problem, at least weather problems at all. Of course, around Christmas time, there was that big Southwest Airline debacle. But in terms of weather-related, Chicago weather in January and December, you couldn't have asked for anything better. No snow, hardly any, no rain, nothing. You know, a little cold, but that's winter. But planes could take off in that. The day that we're going to leave for this trip, a trip that we had, that had been delayed now almost three years due to COVID, we're finally leaving, packed, ready to go, on the way. And when we get to the airport, we're already delayed and there's already you know, a question of our connections and then our bags and, oh. And I'm like, is this going to be a portent of the whole trip? And it would have been very easy for me to have just been a Debbie Downer right from the beginning. Like, oh, now what what else can happen? You know, I could not believe it. The one day that it snows is the day that we're leaving and you know the plane had to be you know de-iced and that whole thing so thankfully it was not delayed any longer but it was delayed two hours which was now going or an hour and a half or so which was certainly going to impact our ability to catch that connecting flight in vienna the good thing was I talked to another ticket agent and I explained our situation because I just wanted to know, well, what I just, you know, I'm very anal when it comes to, to traveling. I, I like to be planned ahead and I like to know all my options. So I went back up just to say, okay, uh, it looks like we're going to miss this plane. So when is the next one? You know, when can we expect to hopefully get, you know, into Tel Aviv? We were supposed to get in at three. Uh, is there another flight now? You know, there's a whole different time difference, but you know. And she's like, "Oh well, you'll get it. You'll make it." And I say, "Yeah, I know, but our flight's been delayed." And she's like, "Don't worry, you'll get on." Sometimes they'll even hold up the flight when they. I was like, "Oh, okay." So this ticket agent was at least, whether it was legitimate or not. Offering a little ray of hope. But we did wait. And now we, so now we are at the airport, you know, for two extra hours. And I always get there at least two hours before. So it was a long day at the airport before we even got on the plane. And now we have like, you know, a seven or eight hour flight, nine hour flight to Vienna. And still not sure when we're going to get to Vienna. And when we get there, what's going to be the situation? Will we make the flight? Will we we not? And if we don't, when's the next one? And where's our bags? And oh, here we go. What a way to start up. What a way to start a vacation. This vacation that I've been waiting my whole life to go on. The one day it has to snow is the day we leave.
Next day, there was no, apparently the next day, no snow at all. Everything melted. <laughs> but the day we went, hadn't snowed in a month and a half, no accumulative snow at all. Day we leave, accumulative snow, cold, wintry mix, de-icing, delays, whole deal. Ugh. So we finally get on the plane. And they must have made up some time in the air, which pilots can do. I don't know how many people, you know, they did, I knew they, they you know, obviously didn't, they didn't want to have a lot of, you know, these misconnections. So they tried to get us there as quick as they could and as close to as other people's. Not everybody was on our plane, of, of course, but there were other connections that people would have. Vienna's a big airport and it is an area where a lot of people take connections to other places throughout Europe and obviously the Middle East. So we land... And we get off the plane, and we have 25 minutes, 25 minutes. We were supposed to not even come close. The other woman said, you are not going to make it. You, by the time you land everything, you know, it, 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 the, the, the doors close 50 minutes before, you, you, won't get, you won't get off the plane and to the next gate and on the plane in that time. You won't do it. Well, we've got 25 minutes. So I'm saying I think we can make it. Wouldn't you give your hand to a friend? That's a Melissa. Speak of me, and I think we can make it. That's Midnight Blue, isn't it, by Melissa Manchester. How's that for a reference? Google that song. <laughs> so, but I'm saying to my wife, okay, we're going to have to, we're gonna have to really run here because, of course, if, if we got there tw- with 25 minutes to spare, if we were only a couple of gates away, right? Say you, we were supposed to land in gate tw- you know, D12. So if we're in D15 or D20 even, hey, 25 minutes, no problem. Of course, we landed at gate D12. Our connection flight was in G9. Do you understand the way the alphabet works? G is after D. <laughs> now, thankfully, there wasn't A, B, C, D, E, F, G. There weren't three. There was only one. There was a D. There was an F. And there was a G. So we had to get from D to G. Thankfully, we didn't have to go through the whole alphabet to get there, but it was still not two gates away. We would have to hustle. And have to hustle, we did. And we weren't the only ones that were even hustling for our, for our planes. I said there were other people that were hustling for other connections to go other places. So there, was a lot of, there were a lot of people running <laughs> and in a hurry as we all sped to our respective gates and terminals. And there was no little people mover train to take you from terminal this to terminal that. This was on foot. So here we go. We are off. And we, of course, we have some carry-ons, and they've got wheels, and so we're off to the races my wife and I, and we are running and we are going down these winding hallways and it looks like we are just going forever. There's just arrows. There's only arrows. I'm never seeing a G. I'm seeing I'm seeing a D12 and then I'm seeing the G, but there's just an arrow. And every time I get to another, another you know, kind of cross in the, in the eye, you know, in some of these hallways, uh, there's just arrows. There's no, oh, there's G4, right? I'm not, I'm still not seeing the gates. I'm just seeing arrows pointing me there. And we've got 25 minutes to get there, to get and get on, right? Before they close that door. And we're running and then there's other people running behind us and and we're getting into some elevator that gets us down there. Finally, we found an elevator that got us down to G. But now now we have to go to G9. 
But it took us a while. You know, we had to physically run for a good five, ten minutes to get to that elevator. And now we're there. And so now we get down there. And, of course, you know, we're like, I think, G9. And, of course, it's right in the middle. And so, and there's a lot of space, but this was a really big terminal. There's a lot of space between these these uh, these gates, so we got to go to nine gates. But luckily, there for whatever reason, the numbers jumped, and so G nine was only about three gates away i don't know i don't know if the numerical system is different in austria i'm not sure it wasn't odds and evens it wasn't like that one on one side one on the other i I don't know what what it was but all i know was i saw g9 and it wasn't far it wasn't close but it wasn't far as as far as you think it would be and we are on you know we are on a mission and we get to g9 and people are still in line people are still boarding oh this is fantastic. We made it. We made it. The odds are nine, eight and a half, nine hours ago in Chicago, we were told we would never make it. And here we are in a foreign country in, in Vienna, and we're waiting in line as if we were just walked up. We've been there for an hour and a half just waiting, and we casually walked up. We're in line with all the other people. Wow. Great. So now, once again, I am very organized, very diligent in terms of tickets, passports. I carry all of them. I've got this little uh, kind of wallet. Uh, It's called a portfolio, a little snap. And it's got all these nice little pockets that you can put all your different documents in and all other little things. It's very organized. Would you expect anything less of me? So I've got all the tickets. Don't forget when we went to the ticket agent in Chicago to the at the International Terminal, we were given both of our boarding passes for both flights not just the first one which is good that we did you know save time so we had our boarding pass for the first leg of the trip and then the boarding pass for the connection great so you know i now thankfully and we ran we're sweating you know now we're catching our breath we're relieved that we made it we're in line so now, of course, I have to go into my, you know, organized traveler mode. I pull up my little travel wallet thing, whatever you call it. And uh, there's the passports. And there are the tickets in each passport. There's a way to do this, folks. If you ever travel with a passport, you know that you have to have the picture of the passport showing with your boarding pass i have to have when i when i am in line i have to have my passport with boarding pass already in hand ticket already in the same page where the picture is so when i hand that passport to the agent Checking us in, they will be able to pull out my boarding pass, look at my picture, don't have to page through to where's the picture page of the passport. No, I've already taken care of that for them. My goal is to be the most maintenance-free, the most organized passenger that that agent will see that day. In their mind, my goal, when I go to any airport ticket agent my goal is when i'm done and i leave the desk that in their minds they say oh why can't everybody be like that guy wow that was such an easy organized painless check-in 
had all the uh, documents I needed, had everything together in one place, easy to find, easy to handle. Oh, I wish they all could be like him. That's my goal. I don't know if that ever happens. I, I don't read minds. But I try to be as organized as I can and as efficient as I ha- can and ready as I can. So when I give those ticket agents my information and all my documents, whatever it needed for wherever you're going, it's all there. It's all organized. It's easy to get to. And they just say, oh, I wish they were all like him. So I get out my little thing. I got my passports. I'm looking at the tickets. I have both of our passports. I page to the picture section of the passport, put my wife's ticket in on that page, fold it up, hand it to her, look at mine, tickets in on on picture page, close it, in hand, ready to go. No... When I get up to her, go oh oh, and then I'm fumbling around for my code or where, and I'm, I'm no no. There's no fumbling around. I have ticket and passport in hand, ready to go. So I'm first in front of my wife, and what was interesting, we finally get up to the thing, and and we and and, and this this was a little disappointing to me because I, I as I say I I strive to have this mental conversation with the ticket agent in their minds to say, oh, I, you know, what a pleasure it was serving him because he was so organized. And here I was again, all set to be organized. And then when we get to the check-in, we do it manually. We, have, we scan our own boarding pass. And they didn't even look at our passport. So that was a little disappointing. Here I was being Mr. Efficient Traveler, Mr. Organized Traveler, and those in the line who were completely oblivious, completely unprepared, were viewed as the same way I was because we were all just scanning our own thing. No chance to get even a mental compliment from a ticket agent because the ticket agent was just sort of standing on the side as we are all scanning our ticket and going into the next area to board the plane. Now, what we would have to do is we scan the ticket. We scan our passport. Once again, they're not even looking at the passport and there's nobody looking at it. We're doing it all by, you know, in today's world, you're doing everything yourself. And then we, uh, once we are approved, you get the little green light, you uh, you go down an escalator, going down the plane, because we're going to get on a bus to take us to the plane. So we go down an escalator, and uh, and then we would go on the little walkway there and then go on the bus, and they would take us to the plane. So I told you, I'm Mr. Organized, you know, ticket. Boarding pass on the page where the picture is all set. Even though I didn't have to use it, it was there. At least I knew I was organized. So as I go, I'm, I'm first. And as I go to scan my ticket, I notice, oddly enough, that I have two tickets. Now, This was very strange to me because I normally, once I have the boarding pass from that first flight that's completed, that goes into a whole other section in the organized little travel wallet. So this way, right, no chance for mistake of using, getting the wrong Using, you know, pulling out the wrong boarding pass or losing whatever. You know, once you once you use that one, you when you're sitting in your seat when you board the plane, you take that current one and you put that in a whole other section away from the the connecting boarding pass, so there will be no chance 
that you will either lose your upcoming boarding pass or that you will make a, 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 a mistake and have the wrong one. That's my usual modus operandi. But in my haste of when we got to the uh, first of all, you know, when, when we got to the, you know, the gate, I'm just in a flurry. I'm, I can't believe we got there on time. I'm happy we're going to make this flight. So now I'm just, you know, I'm a little more flustered than I usually would be. That's why I get to the airport two and a half hours ahead. No flustering. I don't like to be flustered. But I was flustered here because we only had 25 minutes to get to that flight. So, but here we were in line. So I pulled out my my boarding passes and i noticed i had two tickets in my hand but i didn't i didn't look at the other one i just assumed well that was my first boarding pass and uh from the first flight so i so i actually (laughs) i had these two and i felt that there were two there so I, i i evened it out so when I scanned it, just the one on the top would be the scan, so it wouldn't be a problem. But I didn't look at the one underneath it. I just saw it was there and pushed it in and evened it out so that when I scanned the top one, it, there wouldn't be any problem. And, of course, boop, boop, no problem. And you know, there's a lot of people. There, you know, there's one, you know, The problem, too, is when with these self things, everybody's pushing to try to get in so there's really not even a semblance of, of there's like maybe three or four little areas that you can individually scan your thing but everybody's pushing and you know the way people are so my wife and i got got separated so i get mine and it opens but i mean we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see each other on you know on the on the escalator certainly or, or certainly on the walkway i mean what's the difference if we're not standing right next to each other we got separated so what's the difference there's there's no way to get back to it because there was this crowd of people so i go first i i i uh i straighten out my two tickets so just the the top one is the one i need and that one gets scanned i get the green light put my passport in that's okay i'm okay and i go down the escalator now once again being the organized traveler, I don't waste time. When I have a free moment, I use it to be organized. So I'm all alone on the escalator, and there's only one escalator. There's just one down escalator. You can't, there's no way to get back up to where the gate was. There's just one down escalator. That's it. So I, it's a long escalator. So while I'm on there, I am going to be efficient. And I am going to make sure that now that I have used my passport, I'm going to make sure that I don't lose it. That's important. Especially traveling. We, we still have just, we've only just begun on this trip, right? You know, we haven't even got to Israel yet. So I'm going to need that passport. So uh, in my, uh, my goal of efficiency... As I'm on the escalator, I am now going through my ticket and my passport. I'm going to keep my boarding pass. I'll need that because I need my my seat number. But I'm going to put that passport away for safekeeping back into my cool travel wallet thing in the little slot for the passports. And I'm also going to then take that old boarding pass and and put that in another slot somewhere so I don't need I don't need that one anymore it's it's obsolete and it's out of the way I may keep it just for you know if I make a scrapbook but I so I keep it in there I don't throw it out it's got your name and ad, you know your name and information on there so I don't like to just throw that in the garbage or anywhere so I I keep it with me and then maybe I'll maybe destroy it when I get home or I may keep it as a memento who knows but I put it in but for now I just keep it in another slot in the wallet. So I'm on the escalator going down, the only escalator. Going down, I'm on the escalator by myself. And I'm being this efficient, organized traveler that I am. Take my passport. I put it in the uh, in the little slot there in the, my little wallet. 
pull out my boarding pass for the flight I'm about to get on. And I now see that other ticket that was underneath my current boarding pass. Ooh. Uh Uh-oh. You know, I always try to be so organized and many times within my zest and zeal to be so organized, I am unorganized. Case in point, I look at the ticket that's underneath my boarding pass. In it, it in effect, or in reality, is not my old boarding pass from the previous flight. <laughs> it is my wife's boarding pass for this flight. Ooh. I'm now on an escalator going down. There is no escalator to go back up. And my wife is up there somewhere and I gave her the wrong boarding pass. I gave her the boarding pass from the last flight. From my last flight. (laughs) Not even her name. (laughs) Not only was it not for this flight, it wasn't even her name. So I cannot believe I did this. And now I'm only imagining what's happening up there with her. She doesn't have her boarding pass. And I'm on the down escalator. And there's no up escalator. And how am I going to contact her? Because here's the other thing. I didn't have anywhere to put my phone so I gave her my phone to put in her purse when we were on the other plane and once again in our haste to just get off that plane as quick as we can and get to gate G9 I never took my phone back so here's the situation I'm on a on a solitary down escalator with my wife's boarding pass and I have no way to let her know that she's got the wrong boarding pass and I have no way to for her to get her boarding pass which I have in my hand. <laughs> Mr. Organized Traveler, I was so disappointed in myself. Once again, we haven't even we haven't even got to Tel Aviv yet. We had this this, we had this snow delay. We had this this mad dash to the to the to the gate, and now I I I don't know how she's going to get on the plane. I, I, how is she going to get on the plane? I can't go back up. I, I, there's no there's no stairs. I'm physically there's no way for me to get back up. So I cannot believe this, and I'm pacing now in this little area, right before the skywalk to get to this bus that we're going to take. And all of a sudden, out of this door comes somebody with like you know a, a security vest on or something and i must have had this look of despair and and fr- and frantic you know frantic look on my face and basically fear too <laughs> for giving my wife the wrong ticket <laughs> and uh and so i you know she looked at me and she said can i help you and i said you know I've got my wife's boarding pass and she's up there and I can't get back up there. And she said, oh, well, here, let me, give me that, give me her boarding pass and, and I've got to go because she can find another way. You know, they, 
She can go out. She's got access. You know, I don't have any access passes that go on the, you know, tarmac and all that stuff. She's like, I'll, I'll, I, I can get up there and give it to her. I'm like, oh, okay. So now I'm hoping, but I hope that this woman knows to find her. I mean, still, this, this is this is a, a ray of hope, but it's still not still not completely settled. And I'm looking up the escalator, and I'm off the escalator, and I'm looking down, and my wife is not coming down. She is not coming down that escalator, so she's clearly stuck up there. So now I'm hoping that this this strange, you know, mysterious person who had a vest on, I so I'm assuming they've got some affiliation with the airline and that they're going to do what they said, right? How can you always count on that, right? I mean, why that person just could have taken the boarding pass and torn it up and left, right? So I'm hoping that at least this person that offered me this this lifeboat uh, this this chance of hope was going to follow through on what they said they were going to do, which was going to go to the which was going to go to the desk, find my wife, and somehow and give her the boarding pass. It's not a huge leap of faith, but it's it's enough of a, it, it's 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 certainly a, a standing broad jump. And here I am at the bottom of the escalator, looking up and still not seeing my wife come down the escalator. And feeling bad that I stranded her up there, obviously. And even feeling worse because I have now destroyed in my mind my image of me as the organized traveler. This is a huge blow to my ego that I have done this. I mean, this is huge. I'm st- well, once again, look at I'm, it's been it, We've been home for more than a month and I'm, I'm still not over it. And look at the way I'm talking about this. The trip just started. I've already had a a, a, a snow delay, uh, a, a near miss connection, and then I screw up the boarding passes. I had no control over the first two, but I had control over this one, and I screwed up. Ugh. Man, forty lashes for me. Buy me. What do they call that when those people, uh, some of these these devout Christians would, 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 would somehow, they would whip themselves as punishment because they, they did wrong. That's how I felt. And I'm looking and uh, up that escalator, my wife still isn't coming down. But you know, you know how that when you're really worried about time, how a minute feels like 20 minutes. Now this whole thing this whole event this whole instance probably was five minutes at the maybe maybe seven it felt like 25 because i'm looking i'm mad at myself and i'm looking up this escalator and she's still not coming down finally i see her emerge on the escalator and she's got like a half smile, <laughs> half kind of head shake. And I'm like, oh, and she's like, you know, you gave me the, I said, yes, I know I gave you the wrong ticket. Because <laughs> she didn't even, so I was like, but, well, I said, well, yeah, I know. I didn't, didn't that woman find, she's like, no, what are you talking about? I said, well, I gave my, the, the, some woman your boarding pass. She's supposed to go up there and find you. She said, no, no. She said, when I finally went to scan my thing, it didn't work. And so then I had to go find one of the ticket agents that, as I said, were sort of sitting on the side. They don't, they're not, they weren't taking the things. And then she's, I told her, I said, I have the wrong boarding pass. And then she said, you know, she looked it up and she just printed me a new one. So that's why it took a little longer. So it wasn't a major inconvenience. It worked out okay. However, in my mind, this was, a, I really dropped the ball. This was a major faux pas on my part because I certainly now, you know, was not living up to my usual reputation as the organized traveler, the one that gets the subconscious compliment from the ticket agent. I now was just like all the other travelers, the oblivious absent-minded, not knowing, not prepared traveler, which I hate being. 
And now that's who I was. And I couldn't redeem myself until another flight or when we at least, you know, landed and we would have to do some other travel things. I could be organized there. But I had another three hours to live with the, the, the knowledge that I really dropped the ball on this. And, of course, knowing me, and you should by now, uh, I have to find some humor in the situation to not only diffuse it, um, but also that's I, I'm you know I have to make some kind of sarcastic remark uh, to not only diffuse it but also live up to my reputation of making a sarcastic remark. So <laughs> she gets down the escalator and she's uh, and we we say oh uh, yeah she's no she explains what happened and I said so. I'm first apologizing, and then, of course, once everything's fine now, then I have to click back into Elton Jim mode of Mr. You know, sarcastic comment guy. As you see, I have many personalities. I'm organized travel guy. I'm sarcastic comment guy. Yeah, there's a lot going on here, folks. Um, so then I quickly shift from... Um, I guess, uh, sorry guy. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's one little moment here. I'm like two or three different guys, you know. I'm disorganized travel guy. I'm sorry guy. And then I become sarcastic comment guy. Once I realize that the situation is underhand, we're all set. She's got a boarding pass. A little, a little, a little glitch, but was taken care of without anything major. Certainly my fault, but remedied quickly and without much much fuss so who cares right we're 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 on our way to the bus to get us on the plane to get us to tel aviv so no harm no foul just a little bruised ego on my on my part so of course i i shift into sarcastic comment guy and so i just look at her and i said damn i never thought of the ticket agent giving you another pass. Damn. Here, I, I, was, I was home free. You were going to be stuck in Vienna, and I was going to be on this trip all by myself. Oh, damn. I, I had it all figured out perfectly. I just never figured that they would give you another ticket. I just figured you'd be stranded there. Damn, why didn't I think of the extra ticket from the agent up there? Oh, damn. And she kind of rolled her eyes. And, of course, I didn't do this on purpose. And, of course, I wasn't looking to strand her. But I always have to look for the the sarcastic kind of ironic, if you will, mean comment to elicit a joke, which I thought that was a pretty good joke. <laughs> You know, I had it all planned out. I was going to give you the, you know, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that. Oh, did you miss the plane? Oh, well, that's too bad. But here I am in Tel Aviv by myself. I have a day or two alone. I hope you can get another flight and everything will be fine. (laughs) No, that wasn't the case. But I had to make, you know, you know me. I had to make the joke anyway. And the good news is we got on the plane. We landed in Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv, the amazing reality, which I still am so impressed by, unless, of course, you've been in a situation where you've had your luggage lost, and many people have. We put those bags, you know, at the ticket agent, at the international terminal in Chicago at 7.30 in the morning, Chicago time. Check those bags. I saw those bags go on that conveyor belt and go into that, uh, you know, that scary little tunnel. And who knows where those bags go after that. And sure enough, if 15, 16 hours later in two or three time zones away in the Middle East, in Tel Aviv, Israel, there's those bags. That's still a marvel. For as much as we always complain about the bag situation, if you lose your bag or 
you know, it's it's not there when you know or, or takes so long. It's still a marvel that that bag was checked fifteen hours ago in a foreign in in in, in a country twelve thousand miles away, and when we land, there it was. And there's our bags. We got our bags. We found an agent that was going to help us to get our transportation from the airport to our hotel. That worked out great. And we arrived at our hotel basically right on time, maybe an hour later than we were supposed to. Because, of course, that flight that we were on then, that flight was delayed, (laughs) but not too long, maybe a half hour. But it didn't matter. And there we were, maybe 13, 14, 15 hours later, maybe even 16, really, leaving Chicago in the snow, in the wintry mix, two hours late, and suddenly we were in the King David Hotel in Tel Aviv, or I mean, uh, in Jerusalem. We landed in Tel Aviv and drove about an hour to Jerusalem. And there we were with our bags in Israel, in Jerusalem, ready for yet another trip of a lifetime. It would have been very easy to think that all these little stumbles and glitches at the very start of this, literally from the first five minutes that we got to the airport, we were in danger of having a travel nightmare. And somehow, between delayed flights, close call connections, misplaced boarding passes, we got there, for the most part, without any major glitches, a few hiccups, but nothing major, didn't miss a flight, didn't lose a bag. Those things are the major things. At least the flight's delayed, fine, but you're on it. We made our connection. Yeah, there was a uh, little snafu with the boarding passes, but well, we got over that. <laughs> and here we were in Jerusalem in our hotel room, ready to start this trip we waited so long to start and we waited so long to experience. And the next podcast, I'll give you some highlights from Israel and Egypt. But as it stands right now, we're in Israel and we're ready. Shalom. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 355. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podcasting from the end of the web to your screen. Mazel tov.